Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I mean, the butler could have said, you know, when I say that I want Pharaoh to learn from a young Hebrew slave prisoner, and all these, everybody's gonna laugh at me. They're just gonna start laughing. See, those are the things that the devil tells us when we know that we need to speak to a lost person about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the butler broke through all those obstacles to not speak, and he spoke about Joseph, and he was bold about it. And that's how the butler is an example for us to follow. Now, let's look at what the butler says. The butler says in verses 10 through 13, he explains to Pharaoh how he and his and the baker had each dreamed and, and how Joseph had accurately predicted through the interpretation of their dreams what would happen, and that's what happened. So this is the butler telling Pharaoh how Joseph had helped him. And this is the butler's personal testimony about Joseph, and and that's what impressed Pharaoh, was what the butler had said, this is how he helped me. And that's the most powerful message that we can bring to the lost. It's not a lesson on doctrine. It's 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 not a reading of the Westminster Confession of Faith but it's what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us personally. I remember how one time how I was talking to a lost Jewish man and, and, and we were going on and on and then he challenged me with one question. He just said, wait a minute. So what difference has Jesus made in your life? And I thought, wow, that's, I never had that question asked. That's a powerful question. I couldn't get that question out of my mind. I didn't sleep that night. I just got up and I wrote a little booklet. I'm always writing booklets, you know that. And I wrote a little bit good, you know, what difference the Lord Jesus Christ has made in the life of Jew. And this is what's so powerful about the blind man and what he said about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was healed in John 9, 24, where it says in John 9, 24, then again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. That's the thing he knew. That's the thing he said. Then said they to him, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered, then I've told you already, and you didn't hear. Wherefore, will you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? See, the strength of the message of the blind man was in one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. No one could take that personal testimony away from him. It was so powerful, and this is what's true. The same thing is true, the butler. So we read after he says this, the butler says this to Pharaoh, we read in verse 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Now, 
Pharaoh is, is, is obviously humbling himself here. Why was Pharaoh willing to humble himself to turn to such a person of low estate to come and help him and to teach him what his dreams meant? Why? It's obvious. No, no one else in, you're the one in turmoil. You know, he was in turmoil. He had no peace. It was still there. And so, and why did we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? Why did we humble ourselves and, and, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? Same reason, because our souls were in anguish and we found no hope and no help in the world, in religion. So we turned to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's amazing here is that while all this is going on, where's Joseph? He's just sitting there in prison, another day in prison, you know? And, and, and he doesn't know any of these things are happening. And suddenly, he gets this call, come up and appear before Pharaoh. I mean, can you imagine how shocked he is? You know, this is a scene, and it's kind of like us when we die and we go to heaven. It's just the same shock, you know? And, and so for Pharaoh, he's called for Joseph. For Joseph, he doesn't know anything about it. Joseph gets this call, and Joseph is really like what it describes in 1 Samuel 2.8. 1 Samuel 2.8, where it says, he raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's, for he has set the world upon them. See, he raises up the poor. That's Joseph. Now, it was the Lord who brought Joseph out of the prison. This verse says, that, that what we've been reading here, the king called the king called for him. The king Pharaoh called for him. But this is what, what is happening right here in this verse when, they, when the king calls for him. is described in Psalm 105, Psalm 105 as the time of his word came. It says in Psalm 105 verse 17 about Joseph, he sent, before, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He, they laid him in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and the ruler of all his substance to bind his princess's pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Joseph, we don't see this so so much here, but Joseph, when he was exalted and elevated, he taught the Egyptian people wisdom. That was his calling, to teach the senators of, of, of Egypt wisdom, not earthly wisdom, but the wisdom that's described in Proverbs 9.10. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of holy is understanding. Now, we read how fast this all happened to Joseph. This was just like so quickly when it says in verse 14, the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now first, when we read here, they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. Literally in the Hebrew, it's saying, it reads, they made him run. <laughs> they made Joseph run. No, don't walk, you run, you know. And then we read a very interesting detail. Why do we read this here? He says, and he shaved himself. I mean, you know, you think to yourself, well, what's so significant about that? I do that every morning. You know, everybody shaves. Okay, why? This little detail is very important. When it says he shaved himself, 
it's important because it highlights it highlights something very important. And there's a difference between the Hebrew and the Egyptian cultures. You know, in the Hebrew culture, long hair and a beard are important. You remember when we talked about Ruth, when, when Boaz goes to talk to the near kinsman, it says in the Hebrew, he uncovered his ear. Long hair and, and, and the beard were important. It was important, it was called out. Important people had beards. And it talks about Aaron in Psalm 133. Psalm 133, the the Hine Psalm, where it says, "Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity." It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. The beard's a sign of honor. The beard's a sign of of, of men of high positions like Aaron. They had a beard. And when the enemies of Israel really wanted to, and they'll be the Ammonites, when the Ammonite enemies of Israel really wanted to humble David's servants, we read what they did in 2 Samuel 10, 4, 2 Samuel 10, 4. Wherefore, Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it to, to, to David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. They weren't so ashamed that they were half naked out there or naked. They were ashamed because their beards were cut off. And so, that, and, and that's, and so he says, stay in Jericho until your beards grow back. Okay, so this is the way it was for, for in the Hebrew culture. By contrast, you ever looked at the statues of Ramses or King Tut? They're clean shaven. Their heads are shaven. Their face are shaven. They are clean shaven. So for the Hebrews, hair on the head and the beard is a symbol of honor. And for the Egyptians, hair on and the beard are dishonorable. And that's why it's so significant here when it gives us this detail where we see Joseph shaving himself. He shaves his head. He shaves his beard. And that tells us something about Joseph. Because Joseph didn't want to bring any unnecessary offense to the Hebrews. They knew he was, to the Hebrews, to the Egyptians. They knew he was a Hebrew. They might have expected him to come with the beard and the hair of head. But he says, no. When Joseph, Joseph knew, I'm in Egypt to help the Egyptians. And as long as it's not a moral compromise, which it was in the case of Potiphar's wife, then he draws a line, says no. But Joseph, as long as it's not a moral compromise, he changes his customs. He shaves his head, he shaves his beard. As a matter of fact, when Joseph's brothers came to Joseph and they saw him as the prime minister in Egypt for the first time, they looked at a man whose head was shaved and, his, and, he, and he was and had no beard and they said, he looks like he's an Egyptian to me. He looks like an Egyptian. They didn't even know, recognize their own brother. So that shows us that Joseph was doing something here of what Paul did in 1 Corinthians 9.19, 1 Corinthians 9.19, Paul said, though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. You know, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, remember? He said, I'm a super Jew. And to them, <laughs> and to them that are under the law, as under the law, he says, oh, I'll walk with all the rule books in my pocket, absolutely, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, 
being not without law to God, that means moral compromise, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. See, the flexibility that we see in Joseph here to shave his head and shave his beard is the same flexibility we see in Paul and it, when, when, when uh, you know, he's with the Jews, I only eat kosher, right? He's with the Gentiles, bring on the pork chops, you know? <laughs> Why? Because he wants to save some, that, I might, that some might be saved. He's, he calls that being made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He's got this goal in mind. He's, 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 I, and seeing Joseph here shave his head, shave his beard, it shows us the heart of Joseph. He doesn't want any unnecessary offenses to stand in between the sinner and, and Jehovah Jesus. And, he gets, and, and, and we get so caught up in the do's and the don'ts that are not really moral issues. And we lose the flexibility. And Joseph says, look, if shaving the head and shaving the beard is, is, is the bridge that I need to, 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 to build, it's the, the, the building bridge, the gap between the Egyptians and, and, and Joseph's God, bring on the razors. And, 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 and I'll, I'll try to look myself as Egyptian as I possibly can. So he stands before Pharaoh shaved. Now, and we read here that he not only shaved himself, but in verse 14, he changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Of course he couldn't stand there in prison clothes in front of Pharaoh. He had changed his raiment. And, and you know, by the way this reads, these two parts here, it says he changed his raiment, then he was brought into Pharaoh. It illustrates for us, for us that because of our sinfulness, we are clothed in filthy rags. We're clothed in filthiness. Like it says in, in Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, filthy blood-stained rags, terrible. Our sins means that we're clothed, clothed like Joshua was clothed, clothed in filthy rags. And the Lord said, take the filthy garments away from Joshua in Zechariah 3, 3, Zechariah 3, 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So the Lord looks at his church, Laodicea, and, and, he's, and he's looking at their filthy garments and, and, and the fact they need a change. And he says to them in Revelation 3.17, Revelation 3.17, because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salt, thou mayest see. So what's the new garment? The new garment is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Isaiah was singing about in, in, in Isaiah 61.10 when he said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. When it says, 
He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. The word salvation is Yeshua. The word for salvation is Yeshua. That's Jesus. Might as well have said, he hath clothed me in the garments of Jesus. Now, this is a picture of believers in heaven as they're brought before the king of kings, just like Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, where it says in Revelation 7.13, Revelation 7.13, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Our righteousness is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So when we read this in verse 14 where it says, he changed his his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh, we can see no one can come before Jehovah Jesus with the filthy garments of their own sinfulness. They've gotta be clothed in the new garments of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's our man, Joseph. He's made to run and to Pharaoh, and now he stands before Pharaoh, and Joseph doesn't say a word. He's standing there, but, jo- but Pharaoh speaks in verse 15. Verse 15, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, there is none to can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. So it's interesting here. So here Joseph is standing there before Pharaoh, first meets him for the first time. And Pharaoh doesn't take any time to ask Joseph how he is. Where, 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 tell me about your family. Tell me about your background. No niceties at all, you know? <laughs> no small talk. <laughs> Pharaoh immediately launches into the problem. And as Pharaoh does this, we can hear a desperacy in Pharaoh's voice in verse 15. As he said, I've dreamed a dream. Oh, you know, we can hear this stronger lamentation. And he goes on, he says, there's none that can interpret it all. You know, and, and so Pharaoh didn't have to say that. He didn't have to say that last part. There's none that can interpret it. I mean, Pharaoh's the king of Egypt. He didn't have to confess to Joseph that he was desperate. No one could do it. All he had to do was act proudly and, and, and to tell this dreams to Joseph and command Joseph to interpret them. And that would have been what Pharaoh would have done if Pharaoh at this point was proud and arrogant. But Pharaoh is not this way. Pharaoh is humbled. So Pharaoh makes a public confession before Joseph that he's desperate, that he's tormented by these dreams, and he's willing to do anything. Even to humble himself before Joseph, the slave prisoner foreigner, to have his dreams interpreted. So... When Pharaoh says to Joseph in verse 15, there's none that can interpret it, Pharaoh is like begging Joseph, please help me by giving me the interpretation of my dreams. When he says this in verse 15, there's none that can interpret it, Pharaoh's repenting of his religion and his gods, and he's saying, I'm ready for a big change in my life. And, 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 and he hopes that Joseph can help him make that change. I mean, what we see happening here with Pharaoh is what must happen to anyone who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. As there was with Pharaoh, there must be an earthquake in the soul 
a repentance where a person sees, I've been so wrong in my life, and they're ready for a big change of making the Lord Jesus Christ their God and their Savior. And we've already seen that Joseph is a very sensitive person. You know, he, don't forget, Joseph is this one who came to the butler and the baker in the prison, and he was so sensitive. He said, why are you so, look so sadly today in the last chapter? So he sees this. Joseph has this ability to feel what people are feeling. And so he feels, Pharaoh is in distress, and, and Joseph feels this distress, and he really wants to help Pharaoh. So when Pharaoh said in verse 15, there's none that can interpret it, we can see Pharaoh looking at all the magicians, you know, all the wise men, and said, there's none, none of them, not one of them can help me here. And, he's, and we can just picture him sweeping his hand. There's none, this is Egypt. This is all the magicians, all the wise men. This is the best, it's the elite. This is Egypt. There's none that can interpret it. It's as if he's saying, none of these can interpret it. And now Pharaoh, I mean, so he waves his hand across it, and then he pivots over to Joseph from the wise men and from the Egyptians. He pivots to Joseph, and he says in verse 15, but I've heard say of thee, <laughs> that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Literally, in the Hebrew, it's reading, I've heard say that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. So when Pharaoh says this, I've heard say of thee, that thou canst you know, <clears throat> interpret a dream. That was a perfect setup for Joseph to take the bait of pride. You know, Pharaoh gave Joseph a perfect opportunity for Joseph to glorify himself, for Joseph to say, I'm really not bad at it, pretty good. I bat pretty well, actually. You know, my bat, that's not bad. But he's really wanting, he, and, and keep in mind now, Joseph really doesn't want to return to that prison. So if, if, if Joseph could just take a little bit of credit for interpreting dreams, it might help Joseph to, to, to not go back to prison. See, these are the things that are pressuring Joseph at this time. But Joseph says, nothing doing. I'll have nothing to do with it. There's no way I'm going to take any credit for myself. I flat out right refuse to glorify myself. That's our boy. That's Joseph. Now we read how Joseph now replies in verse 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Oh, this is the beautiful simplicity of Joseph again. I mean, you love Joseph. Joseph doesn't make any long speech. <laughs> you like him because he doesn't make a long speech. He doesn't take the opportunity to glorify himself. He, he, he doesn't plead, you know, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And I, you know, he doesn't say, I didn't do anything to be in that dungeon. He doesn't do any of that. He, he, he doesn't say to himself, wow, I got some valuable FaceTime with Pharaoh. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get him to commute my sentence. He doesn't plead for his own personal liberty. But Joseph has just heard that, that, that Pharaoh is going to, to take God's glory and give it to Joseph. And that makes the hair stand up on the back of Joseph's neck. And he says, no, no. Is a quick response, no, it's not in me. Joseph is saying, I can't do it, but God can. Uh, 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.